0: Out here in the perimeter there are no stars Out here we is stoned, immaculate Hello and welcome, this is the C86 Show, I'm David Eastor. As you know we love a special guest This week it's going to be the turn of the flux of pink Indians Because I recently spoke to Colin Latta the lead singer, to find out more about life, love and poetry and all the other groovy stuff. Anyway, this is the interview. So after several minutes of casual, but interesting chat, we got down to that exciting subject that was, yes, the early formative years. I know, exciting stuff. Anyway, Colin, it's over to you.
1: Uh, I I mean, obviously, I, I, li- I liked all those bands that you mentioned and uh, Roxy Music. Uh, but I, I think the first band that I... Really got into uh, was was Hawkwind, funny enough, uh, and that I, I guess in a way there's a, there's a sort of a punk connection to that. Uh, but it it really I did like a lot of the heavy rock bands uh, up until '76. When of course we all pretended we 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 we, we didn't know anything about them, uh, and and uh, the, the the hundred or so kids in our year I think whittled down to about four of us that decided we were now punk. And we we wouldn't be listening to Yes and Led Zeppelin anymore. So it it there was like a line through there. But I I liked that I did uh, get into bands uh, like Hawkwind before, as if there was some sort of base to to, to connection to punk. So.
0: Yes, I think I think you know, in a way most of the bands who were into punk and a little bit into the indie world had all gone to see yeah. Hawkwind at some stage in their formative years yeah. and and yeah. probably taken yeah. drugs and watched Lemmy and watched Stacey the singer, Topless, kind of dancing around. It was a kind yeah, of a... Yes, that,
1: that, that was quite good. For, when you were in your early teens, that uh, stands stand out in your memory. That's good.
0: That sounds yeah. like a, a a good a win win night out, isn't it? Music, yeah, lights, yeah. Lemmy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they were quite a frightening band as well, which is kind of what you want when you're young. You want to feel slightly yeah. disturbed, and um, it's like safety but could I, be sort I, of an I, issue.
1: But, it, but it's also a band that took artwork very seriously because they 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 did sort of the spray painting uh, covers. So that I think it was that combination of music and art, which I was both into, that. That single them out for. I mean, obviously, other than that, a bit younger. I would have liked uh, Slade and T Rex and 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 all of those. Uh, apparently, I liked the Beatles when I was really young, but I can't remember any of that. My uncle seems to think I was a bit of a fan of theirs. But yes, uh, well, it's, I, it's... For, for me, I mean, I was born in 1961, so I, I in '77 I was 16. I think for a great time. A punk to come along, but I was almost too young. I know that there were some younger, but uh too young to 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 be in a band at that time. Yes. Uh, there there were younger bands. There, there, there were some 15 year olds in bands, in punk bands, but uh it, it it meant that it was a year or so, nineteen seventy eight, until I got a band together. So I would have been too young to have been straight off the mark with all those of original punk bands
0: yeah i think there was a guy called is it andy blade who was in eater i think he was about 15 well, exactly 16
1: the, exactly the band i was thinking about i just didn't say their name they were i think some of their songs mentioned that they're 15 aren't they
0: yes they're very young
1: and 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 i don't know if you ever ever heard or used to listen to the roxy album yes they won that and for me it's uh I mean most of those bands did actually they got record contracts afterwards on uh but it, it's a certain sound of a club with uh, just like twenty to hundred people in it. Uh and it it I would say that that is what I always imagine punk to be like. That 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 was my memory would be that that, that was it. So yes. a club with with unknown unknown bands. Uh coming from all over
0: the country didn't they so yeah absolutely and and i did an interview with andy a few years ago and it was quite extraordinary because i mean they were only yeah. i mean they were like 15 and had to go and yeah, i remember him yeah. telling me he told me the story of how they had to shoplift their first you know their gear you know and they had <laughs> how they managed to do it and had to distract yeah, the owner yeah. then grab the staff then run like hell and then they well, put well, on they various were... various gigs in a school which was quite bizarre and i think yeah, even joe
1: I'm sure that they, they were London-based, weren't they? I, I I didn't really hear about them afterwards, so I presume, unless, unless he... I, I mean, I don't know, that they were around for a year or two, and, and then that was it. I can't remember them carrying on... Uh, into
0: the late 70s and 80s no well actually now i remember what one of the things he told me which i can remember which is quite unusual at my age but he said that he grew to really find looking at his audience depressing so when he saw the people queuing outside to come in to see them he thought i don't really want to do this anymore that's kind of from memory what he said he he'd found after two years he'd had enough but interestingly enough that He's active and doing stuff again, so um, he's 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 back on the scene, so to speak. You, but um,
1: you you know what I always lot. I mean, I, I I watch Jules Holland quite a lot, always hoping there's going to be some new bands. Uh, but that I think that, and it's funny because he was in Squeeze, but they they, they, they he never seems to bring on many old punk bands. You, you you punk is a funny thing. It's as if it happened then, and then we don't go back there. It had its influences. Uh, but if you're a jazz musician or a blues musician or whatever, you, you can just carry on forever. Uh, but for some reason, if you're a punk band, it was a year or two, and that was it. We're all supposed to just disappear and go back to, to our ordinary sh- filling shelves in a supermarket or something.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: and it, it, I think he may have had wire on, because I used to love wire. But if he it would be great if suddenly he had Eater on uh, <laughs> or someone like that. You know, yes. he'll pick out. 77 a band that that maybe nobody had heard of but but maybe it'd be a bit embarrassing to see now i don't
0: know i don't know he looks good he looks good i did an interview with a guy who was in wasted youth and uh, flesh for lulu and um and he's still going and they're still doing bits and pieces so that's all good but so look you were you you grew up in london which obviously gives you a bit of a head start on the world of you know musical zeitgeist and punk so were your parents at all Artistic or musical? He says, knowing your dad might have been a painter. Uh, the
1: the I, I I was staying in I was staying in London around then. But my uh, I, I didn't have a very good uh, childhood. My my dad died when I was uh, four years of age. Uh, he was very artistic. Uh, my 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 mum married a uh, a really horrible guy. Um, we put up with him for for ten years. So at that time. I mean, they, they divorced in '79, so I would I was staying at my my nans quite a bit, uh, which was in Chancery Lane, Holborn, around there. Uh, but all my friends were in Bishop Stortford, where I'd gone to school. So that's thirty miles, as you know, thirty miles north north of London. Uh, so I'd say that my dad died when I was young. My 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 not anything I got from my parents, that's for sure. Uh, I. I just think it was people you're hanging around with isn't it really and and for us in 1978 uh when we met crass who were in epping so they were localish in a way only about 15 miles away it meet even though we we had got a band together uh meeting crass set us on a particular path uh and then as you know we hooked up with them quite a bit with the record label and 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 gigs and it, it I think they changed our sound up to that point I would have thought that we were a a 1977 punk band in in the mold of wire eater slaughter and the dogs and, and people like that but when we met crass they were a lot quite a bit older than us uh, and they were a different sound a bit, a bit harsher maybe a bit more more political uh, and in that few months that we were beginning to we got to know them it it it, cha- it changed our our the things we were singing about and our sound definitely.
0: Yes, absolutely. God, that sounds horrible. More, oh, no, more, that that more bit, that. that yeah, sorry, I, that doesn't sound horrible. Your childhood sounds like it was a very yeah. grim grim time from the formative yeah, no, years.
1: Not good. Not good. I, I I won't go into it. it. It's a lot of people wonder how I turned out okay because it, it's uh, it was a pretty rough pretty rough time. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I spoke to, it, you know had horrendous kind of you know childhood experiences, and it kind of I suppose it was very you know in, informative in their life of having to deal yeah. with you know those the, the, the kind of most delicate pe- period of your whole existence, and and yeah, often absolutely. and yeah, that kind yeah. of is it, pivotal.
1: It, I think if you have a wonderful childhood, or I mean, or you have that kind of childhood, it it, it, it does affect you either way, uh, and I. You know, I I wish it hadn't happened, but it but maybe it spurred me on to do certain things, and here I am now. So yes, uh, we can't change anything, can we, sir?
0: No, this is true. But I do know from you know, like hearing people, and I was a Samaritan for quite a long time. You know, I did that. You know, oh, vol- right. volunteered. Yeah. And yeah. The, you know, if the childhood is kind of messy, it it just yeah. It takes a lot more determination. I mean, on a very slightly different sort of stroke, you know, level. I was asthmatic from the age of four, and so I've always had Um, to sort of deal with that. But that was my thing. But I couldn't ever be relaxed about asthma because it would try and kill me every day. But again, it just it it is quite formative. All those kind of experiences, because I mean,
1: that that, that, that's what my dad actually died of. But he was only thirty-two at the time. Uh, I, I think I'm I'm. I try and find out as much of him as possible. My mum doesn't talk too much about it. Uh, so my aunt and uncle, uh, they were quite a bit younger than him, but uh, they're. Uh, I I kind of think I'm carrying on my life with music and art uh, because I know there were things he w- he would want to have done himself. Uh, but there we are. I yes it's a shame I died too young. I don't, I don't really have the memories, and my mum made a, a bad choice with. With, with who she married afterwards, so it wasn't good. But there we are.
0: Yes, but I noticed I've noticed on your um, Instagram feed you've got quite a lot of pictures yeah. or paintings of your your what your dad yeah. did, which was quite amazing. Yeah. So have you got yeah. still yeah. a lot yeah. of his artwork?
1: Uh, yeah, I, it, it's it's amazing that my that that my mum managed to keep. Uh, he did about twenty paintings, not a lot. I think it was something he dabbled uh, in the mid to late fifties until he got married. Uh, and then you don't get the time. You, his life changed. Uh, in all the different moves that my mum had, and and with this marriage, that she managed to hang on to his paintings uh, and and his old art equipment and his old art books, uh, which which I have. Uh, I, f- I think they're probably just stored away in the garage, uh, and my stepdad never noticed them or whatever. And and luckily. When I was a late teenager and I left home, my mum gave them all to me. So, yeah, it's I. It, it's it's nice to be able to actually touch something that he has done, and and really have such a close look at it. When when we look at art, sometimes it, it's it's you it's always but too far away to have a proper look. So it's nice actually to have it, have have his work in your hands and actually see all the brushstrokes, plus all the art books he's got to see where where
0: he was heading so god that's amazing that's quite that's yeah. quite special isn't it actually me. Yeah. did you yeah. when, when you got 16 then did you leave school at that age or did you yeah uh, yeah you were on the streets yeah, it, weren't you? It,
1: uh yeah i it, it, i mean it, it, looking back it it would have been nice to have gone to, to have gone to art school it was something I could, I could have pushed for but uh i uh i was offered Offered a job uh, at London Inland Telegrams doesn't exist anymore, uh, in Fleet Street. So my with my nan and granddad living nearby, it was, it was quite easy, quite a good place to work. Uh, and for a little while, because this was sort of August 1977, the other people, the only other people that were working there were were hippies, and I almost gave up punk for a while and started. Get, going back to my, my sort of mid-teenage hippie roots. Uh, but didn't last too long. A, a couple of punks then uh, started started work there. Uh, one particular guy was in a band called Puncture. They were one of, I think, the first record ever on Small Wonder Records. Mm. Do you remember they were in Leytonstone, weren't they? Small, Small Wonder, Wonder Records?
0: Small Wonder Records. No.
1: Yes. Pat, Patrick Fitzgerald and Crass were on their label. He... He he started working there and it was through meeting someone in a band that gave me the idea that he was a perfectly normal person. I thought I could do this. And obviously didn't learn an instrument. I I, I became the singer uh, and, and got a, a friend to, to buy a drum kit, I had another friend that could play guitar, and and Derek, uh, who obviously missing the bass player, tried to talk him into becoming the bass player. And he would just sit in our rehearsals, but not join in and wasn't interested. Uh, and of course, he now runs one little Indian or one little independent records with Bjork. So he he, he needs he needs to thank me one day for 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 getting him to to pick up a bass and, and being involved in music. He he certainly wasn't interested at first.
0: Blimey, uh, you were the catalyst, he, weren't he, you?
1: Yeah, he 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 uh, he. He also got me into carpentry, so in a way, uh, which is what, I, what I've been doing as a, as work for the last 25 years. So I, let's say it's 50-50. <laughs> yeah.
0: it's a nice... It's a nice you're living in a nice society of give and take there, aren't you? So when you... Yeah. you was your first band called The Licks then? Was this your first musical uh, adventure?
1: It, yeah, it, it sort of was. It, it originally was The Epileptics, uh, you know, well, in hindsight, maybe not the not the nicest of names, but you know, at the time, uh <laughs> it was no. uh, And but when it came to us doing a record on the the local rep, local label, uh, they didn't they didn't quite like they didn't like the name. No. Uh, so we <laughs> how it ended up as the Licks, I don't know. I, I'm sure we could have done better, but it was in just that moment of we said yes, uh, it, it went off to the to, to the printers. Uh, and and yet, yeah, so our our first single uh, was the licks, and it was a bit silly, really. We were a bit naive, and we they asked us to sign a two year record contract with them. And the day we signed it, I got back home, and Crass rang up in 1979. This was they rang up saying we'd like you to do a a single on our record label, and I said I think that might might be a bit difficult because we've just signed a. a, a a deal with this local label but of course two years later we had become flux of pink indians uh, and we did the ep new smell so what we would have released in 1979 i don't know because in 1981 we do two disaster new smell and 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 i like that that, that I, I don't know what we would have i don't think it would have been better in 79
0: no blimey that's so amazing out yes because was that on short Store Beats. Right. And yeah. then Spider, yeah. Spider Leg Records as well.
1: Spider Leg was, was a record label Derek and I got together. Uh, right. We put that together uh, and released bands, records by Subhumans and other bands. When, when we, I think we started that in about 1980, uh, we did the record with Crash Records in 81, and they had a bit of a policy that they would only... Do one record per band and after that you were out on your own uh, but because they had this great setup at Southern Studios uh, in North London we pretty much set up spider leg records but using the same infrastructure that they were using uh, right God, and, that's... At, and at first we, we would Derek and I would just press up a load of white labels and and sell them at gigs for a pound. One recently uh, went for three hundred and twenty pounds hmm. on eBay. That is the most I've seen. So I thought, you know, I should I should have kept a box back, shouldn't I?
0: Yes, that would was, page- was
1: that was a, that was a copy of the licks, uh, and somebody had uh, I well probably me <laughs> scrubbed out the licks and put the epileptics and changed it. Uh, so somebody bought that on eBay as, as as a sort of, a it's worth quite a bit anyway, that single. But for some reason, with it being felt tipped over, it went for more money. I'd You'd almost think maybe less, but it went for more. More, yeah. I guess it's more unique, isn't it? So
0: the original, one, I guess. That's I what should you're... I could have kept them. Yes I know there there's, there's, there's there's a lot of those kind of my feelings now about that period isn't there but luckily there's been quite yeah. a lot of people have been keeping bits and pieces I know that uh, last year there was a film that's been made about a band called Rima Rima that you might have come across
1: for from... I love Rima Rima. I abs- absolutely love Rima Rima. do you yes. know that, that the if if you if you ever listen to the epileptics or licks and then play new smell flux of the yes. indians and it's two years apart, and you, you, you wonder, how did they go from that to that? Well, the, the join is Rima Rima.
0: Right. Rima Rima, the one.
1: 100%. What happened was, uh, when, when the original guitarist, Kev Hunter, left uh, the Epileptics, and our drummer left, we then got uh, a few other musicians, uh, and one was the, the drummer from Rubella Ballet, uh, Sid. And he he came into nineteen eighty. I think he came into our rehearsal, having bought the Rima the rima twelve inch, and he took Derek's bass guitar, he he did his foot his, his, the bass drum with his foot, played that that riff, bowed out, bowed out, bowed out. You know the song yeah and and and, and what and the feedback if you hear all that and he played that to us and I and I thought wow and I um, that was where a little bit of influence from Crass but that's that's where we headed off in a new direction. What, so so who made that film that sounds
0: yeah so wonderful. that came out last year and it's it is. And it's just it's just doing the film circuits at the moment but luckily i managed right. to see a copy of it um and it's just brilliant because it's i mean there's no live footage of the band but they've got interviews with everyone apart really? apart from marco peroni but um and they've yeah. even got an interview with ivo from 4ad who's just who's right. disappeared but he has spoken about the yeah the cuz yes. that's the first release on 4AD records um well, and it's just brilliant and also you'll re, you remember Dorothy Max Pryor, who's the drummer she's just written a book that is coming out next month uh, february 2023 I, called 69 I, I, exhibition I road
1: female drummer i never knew that yes I mean, it's that that cover do you remember the cover it's yes. just so macho isn't it i i just would never that's amazing wow so, so they, they I, did, As far as you know, did did they only record those four songs
0: then? Well, interestingly enough, they they released that once they disbanded, but then they've been rooting around in their kind of attics and they've put out a compilation of a lot of other material from that time. So if you go, you can buy it now or stream it on Spotify, but you'll find lots more information about Rima Rima. And there's a film which... You'll you'll be in music heaven when yeah. you watch it because then you'll find yeah so Dorothy, so Dorothy, he's the drummer to, to, you know it's a bit the um yeah. I suppose it's a bit the Velvet Underground isn't it really so um yeah okay yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah I uh I mean I wonder there's a lot of feedback in that on on that EP isn't there uh I I don't know if, if, if you listen to our first album Strive to Survive obviously it's all threaded through is the is the feedback uh whether by then uh, Sid had left and Kevin rejoined us again uh, but whether that's where we got the original idea from I don't know I'm not, I can't, I can't say anybody can invent feedback I'm sure it goes back to the Beatles and beyond doesn't it yes. but, uh, I always uh, I, I say to myself and I say it out loud occasionally you've got, I've got really bad tinnitus or tinnitus or tinnitus however you say I don't know but it's it's my two favourite. Ins- it sounds like my two favourite instruments: uh, bagpipes and feedback. Excellent. Feedback not being an instrument, but that's my little. That's my little joke. So <laughs> I can't I can't really complain because it, if if I listen to if I listen to bagpipes, the, the tinnitus disappears. So just that that frequency.
0: Wow, that's so strange! My God, that's that's yeah. incredible. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so i was just going to say actually all the members of Rima Rima went on to do other things in, in other bands yeah. so you right. know they're quite an interesting love anyway that's another right. band isn't it so when so when <laughs> the flux flux got together this was the early yeah. 80s at this stage you know 79 thatcher gets in we had the falkland war miners' yeah. crisis, yeah yes yeah greenham common you know nuclear war was around the corner yeah.
1: so there was a lot yeah. Of, yeah.
0: You, you were an angry young band weren't you at this stage
1: Yes, no, I, I, I think so. But really, I'm not, I'm not an, I'm not a sort of angry person at all. Uh, I, it, it just sort of comes out in, in music, sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, personalities change when they, when they get on stage, uh, and, and, and at that particular point, I think maybe in, in not '78 so much, but more in, in, in '79, uh, thinking about. I mean, our first single was about plastic waste. Uh, and I wasn't at the time, but Derek was a vegetarian. He'd been one for years. So I slowly got into that. Uh, and then, yeah, in the early 80s, we had the whole threat of possible nuclear war and and obviously Thatcher government coming in. It uh, it, 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 it was a certain, definite, even though it had been shipped through the 70s, of course, I don't think that it suddenly changed. Uh, but it, I think the thing about punk is that there is this sort of angry element, uh, and it's people trying to make a change. Uh, but I think the difference with the the, the flux sound or, or mentality was that there was no fun involved. And that, what I liked about the '77 punk is that it had something to say, and it was outrageous uh and but it was also a bit it was also fun there was fun involved yes. uh and i think things got things got a bit serious uh from 79 80 onwards where you i mean i i found that in, in when i was writing lyrics where before they would have been about anything uh start to finish uh it became something that you had to look at what you were saying to make sure that you were covering all the points it 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 just got a little bit more serious, shall we say, uh, in in yes. that eighty to to eighty four, eighty five. Uh, well, I know, I mean,
0: and, I mean, but your second maybe album, maybe
1: leading, up, maybe leading up to the nineteen eighty four, everybody was convinced that it was going to be the end of the world. Uh, I, I when in nineteen seventy nine, we went up to Bradford uh, and didn't quite make it, but we were going to be playing with crass and uh van broke down uh we got there in time to 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 meet them uh, but not to play the gig and they put us up in uh, uh some some students digs and all these people were going on about that they were basically had uh four or five years left to live they were they were wasting their time at university didn't didn't give a shit about anything and uh and in 1984 it was all going to be over so I I I remember in the early '80s I was I was uh, into a bit bit of a biker as well and had a an old British motorbike uh, and, a, and a kind of a rocker friend of mine we used to go to Haverhill and uh, there was a guy there who used to do up old British motorbikes and he had a he had a cellar and I remember thinking that this is the place i would go to if anything happened and maybe and, and I thought we were all going to be called up and have to fight or whatever. And and I and I pictured that, that I, w- I would go and hide in this this motorbike guy's cellar for the duration. Yes. Uh, and and it seemed perfectly fine. Uh, but it it reminds me of when I I, I did actually leave home once with uh, with uh, trying big argument with, with my stepdad. And I, I my idea was uh, we were living in near Safford Walden at the time uh, was to get the train into Bishop Stalkford, i I just had a bag of records uh, that's all I took and my I, I was going to sleep in the multi-story car park in Bishop Stalkford, and it seemed just perfectly reasonable idea to do it it, it didn't seem like it was a a horrible place to go to uh, and the tr- no train turned up so after about two hours of, of sitting at the station I walked all the way back home again uh, <laughs> and and nothing was ever said of it but it, it, it's just that maybe it's that time when living in a squat, uh, 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 sleeping in a, in a multi-storey car park, or, or in someone's cellar, seem to be an option.
0: Yes, this is true. I don't,
1: I don't know. I don't know why. I, I'm not sure whether kids these days prefer more. Uh, I, I don't know whether they leave home and 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 whether the house has to be. I don't know, do people use old furniture as much as they used to or, or wait until they could afford things as we might have done in the 70s and 80s. Yes. Uh, but I think we were just happy to, to get out from your family life and 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 just to set up somewhere. Didn't matter how it looked. You, I know, know. you just make furniture out of whatever you can. So well, but I don't I mean, know
0: if you I don't know if you used to do this, but I know sometimes on a Monday morning when when we were still unemployed so there was not much to get to get up for we'd have a wander around the streets looking for skips to pick to pick stuff out of skips that people might have been chucking out at the weekend and taking home and that was our form of kind of shopping really and you could come back with loads of exciting stuff and and sort of getting in skips and and sort of getting chairs or furniture or half bottles of alcohol out was was a good a good way to spend your monday so i don't know i mean we used to yeah, we used to dread winters because it was really cold and brutal, but you know
1: Yeah, yeah. Cheap, I, you know. I I I mean I don't know when I think meeting Crass in nineteen seventy-eight, because they had lived for years in 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 a, in a, a really lovely uh, cottage, but I mean totally run down. Uh but they you know they had <clears throat> got it habitable again uh in in near near Onga. Uh and I think just seeing the way they lived gave me the idea that anything was possible. And, yes. and you could start you could always start with nothing and and make something put from it really. So
0: but that was the period that that 80s was where well, there was a lot of there was the peace convoy. I don't know if you remember the peace convoy which I must admit was a yeah. slight I, they weren't yeah. that peaceful. But there was a lot of people on buses, trucks, there was also I knew yes. a lot of people who tried to live in TPs and something called a bender yes. which was kind of yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. willow a willow structure with tarpaulin and then you'd put a fire in there god it was a hell yeah. yeah. wasn't it but yeah. i mean yeah. a lot i did know a lot of people like that in the 80s and even into the 90s who yeah. tried to live live off grid was the term wasn't it really and yeah. um yeah. it was quite yeah. it was kind of fun and everyone was doing it because also the other thing is a lot of bands at that stage were claiming unemployment benefit or job seekers allowance or yeah. enterprise yeah. allowance schemes. so there was a there was almost yeah. an indirect grant for a lot of people at that stage to uh yeah. Yeah. Follow their creative we, beat.
1: We were, we were we were a little bit bit different because uh, I, I'm not sure it's because De- Derek originally had had worked for uh for for the Dole office. He really had a, a thing about that people shouldn't sign on if they don't have to. Uh, and our, our way around it was by you can't do it now. So it's it's you know um it, it, you we 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 rented a. Uh, a four bedroom house in bounds green uh for 50 pounds a week and there were six of us living there uh so it wasn't even a tenner it wasn't even a 10 pound a week for rent so i never signed on you could always just find a little bit of work here and there uh, no money from from gigs and records so that wasn't 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 it wasn't a way uh to 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 to, to survive you couldn't survive on that but it's just just by bringing your overheads as low as possible, meant you don't have to go to work if you didn't want to.
0: Yes, this is uh, true. I know there was a, there was yeah. a lot of people. I remember a lot of people doing dishwashing jobs and also uh, yeah, washing yeah, windows yeah. for various old people who yeah. needed someone to go yeah. up a ladder. It was rock and yeah. roll, seeing punks,
1: at least, at least I, young. I no, when I can't hear you. you. Okay.
0: Yeah, I'm here. I'm, sorry, I'm here.
1: Yeah, well done. You, you are. You are. Uh, yeah. No, I. Uh, my my first work uh, ended up being uh, uh, from inland telegrams to a telex operator, and that that was quite well paid. Uh, but then I decided to give all that up uh, and um work in in health food shops and whole food shops, and I, where I got a, a quarter of the wage, and quite often, not always the better uh, treatment. Funny enough. Uh, there's something about alternative places where they're—I don't know—you—it you, it, it, it wasn't always a nicer place to work, shall we say? And it sounds like a contradiction, uh, but it was a shame I never got involved with with an actual cooperative. Right. And that would have been rather than working for for one person. But uh, We had had an option at one point. Uh, to buy a in Caledonian Road, uh, a, there was a, a Whole Food shop there, and it was a three-story building. And I think the guy was trying to sell the shop where I was working, and and two floors upstairs. Uh, and I think it was like sixty grand uh, in the sort of 1982, so not a lot of money. Maybe it was back then. I can't remember. But but Derek. Adamant that we should stay involved in music and and not do that. And for him, he made the right choice for him. Yes, uh, but with one little in one little independent as they are now, uh, he's managed to be have a very successful record label.
0: Well, absolutely. So, he he caught the zeitgeist. So with with the with yeah. the the sort of timeline of the band, you, your first album was Strive to Survive causing yeah, the least yeah. suffering possible. And then your second yeah. album with the catchy title of the fucking cunts yeah. treat us like pricks. Yeah, you you yeah, do sound yeah. quite angry. I mean even though, even yeah, though you say yeah. you're not an angry band, you know that is quite um, a title, isn't it? No.
1: The the, cha- the the change there is uh, that we we lost we we lost Kev on guitar and we got two new guitarists who I liked, but they were not very good guitarists but they had 100% the the belief in what we were doing um, politically so I think the music changed a fair bit and we that is a double album I can't say I've listened to it in a long long time but we actually went into Southern Studios to record a four-track EP and we came out with a double album So it gives you an idea that it's uh, it's just everything thrown at it. every song that anyone written in it went, uh, a lot of noise. And uh, i the the ideas behind it were mainly from Derek, but he thought that when with strive, and new smell, that nobody was listening to what we were saying because it was because it was too musical, right? And he had the idea that if we did something that you couldn't listen to people would pay more attention more attention to the lyrics but the problem is you we we sliced our record uh sales by a, down to a quarter so it, it didn't work shall we say and and there and there were there were times in gigs where where if we, if we were if we were just playing uh fucking cunts, the uh Nobody ever liked it. You you know we we barely got past the the, the fourth or fifth song before people were either leaving or whatever. So yes. it's uh, it didn't happen, shall we say? No. But but at the same but at the same time, if 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 you, if you follow our path and and also see Crass's before that, they had released uh, yes, Sir, I will, which was a very noisy version of them. It, it's as if we were just always a little bit behind. What what Crass were doing, uh, and it was only when we uh, broke away from Southern Studios, which I like liked the setup there, but we did, uh, and then we recorded Uncarved Block uh, that that everything completely changed, and we we had come up with uh, a, a, our own sound. Uh,
0: yes, because at that stage, because it was kind of interesting, because for me the 80s you know you have that punk that post-punk world but then you know 83 kind of time it is for me the 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 world of indie pop and the sort of bands like the smiths and people like the kind of you know people getting into sort of you know singing writing quite you know beautiful tunes again so what was it like for you being in a band that that had such a narco punk kind of fan base but also quite harsh as well
1: it see that would have taken if I'm getting the years right. I think that would have taken us up to sort of 1985, uh, when when we recorded Uncarved Block, uh, we just called called ourselves Flux, not Flux of Benguineans. Uh, we we did a gig at uh, Ulu in London, uh, quite, quite a big college venue and holds about a thousand people, and all we played was the yeah, Uncarved Block. We didn't do any old Flux songs and there wasn't one person in the audience that asked for anything else. There wasn't a punk there. It was as if they disappeared off the face of the earth. They hadn't. They'd gone into other things. Right. There was, I remember that, that thousand people, there was not, and it was only a year or two after uh, that we were a punk band and yet I don't know who whoever the people that went to that gig, I don't know, but that nobody shouted for tube disaster right and it, it, it was as if we were compl- washed all that clean and we'd started again as a as a new band uh, and on reflection now i would only go back and if not that i would but if i played live now i would only want to play the first single and the first album I wouldn't play Uncarved Block, but in 1986, it was a complete lie down that punk that punk had finished. The thing is, a lot of bands like Subhumans, Conflict, uh, that were with us early on, they carried on and they still now, still play now. Uh for, we, we wandered off, but there were plenty, plenty of other bands that did carry on playing that mu anarcho-punk music. And Ooh, I yes. think when you were mentioning about the uh, the uh, new age hippies and the, the, the travellers, that uh, I think that was just at that point as well. We weren't really anything to do with that. Uh, but I think all that was mid-80s and onwards. Uh, and we'd gone into a sort of a dance... Uh, you know, th- there was a lot of dance stuff around, wasn't there? So I think we'd gone into that more. And we... Played in uh, a couple more gigs in '87, and that was the end. Yes, uh, absolutely. We 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 turned up in in Amsterdam, and everybody wanted to hear uncarved block and not the old flux. And so we had rehearsed a mixture. So we they were I think they were a bit disappointed that we were a bit of, a bit of a punk band, and they weren't expecting that. Uh, we we then we then played another gig and uh, decided to make all of our, our music sound less punk because yes. we realized no one was there listening to that. They wanted to hear Adrian Sherwood and all this sort of thing. Uh, and then we did our last gig, which was in Belgium. And as soon as we turned up, we saw the poster, and it was a pure punk poster. And we realized, ah, so everything went back to being the, the, the punk version of everything. And that then that was the end of it, really. The, yes, a lot of members in the band decided they didn't want to carry on. Uh, so we, Derek, by that point, threw us. But really, his thing was was the record label, and Sugar Cubes, who had played with us before, uh, Bjork had played with us before, and and he set out on on, on as a as a studio producer, engineer, and and having, having running the record label i we were then living in south london i moved back uh, to north london which had been in most of my life anyway uh and i haven't ever spoken to them again since which is strange isn't it that is very strange
0: god i can't yeah. believe it. so you didn't have a big fallout and think right yeah. No, no, you just you just wandered uh, off in in the words of I my, don't know like like my, a Jim Moose I, movie. You just wandered off into different <laughs> directions. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I I I I said to them one day I had some friends that were were, were squatting in Hampstead, uh, and I, I you know I, I wanted to to move back up there, so I, I, ju- I just left one day. Uh, I I went back once, uh once more. Uh, to visit them all, they all lived in uh, Sydenham then, and uh, I, I I borrowed my girlfriend's car, uh, stayed with them for a few hours, and and then left. So they were in Sydenham, and I was living up in Crouch End, so opposite ends of, of London. And the car broke down in Elephant Castle, you know, about eleven o'clock at night, it just died on me, and I and I didn't have a penny in my pocket. I didn't even have a pound. Nothing to get a bus home, and I was faced with either walking back to Sydenham, which would have been a bit easier, but then the embarrassment with uh, going back to the Flux House, or do I or do I just walk home, all the way up to Crouch End, and I decided to do that, which took three hours. Uh, so, and that was the the last time. Oh, we, we ever spoke.
0: That's like that's you know, that Joy Division song, "Walk Away in Silence," isn't it?
1: yeah very much isn't it great i mean what about that big big influence on me as well that
0: that's a great song yeah, yeah. that's just i mean that, that is kind of because i do during that period you know we had the gatekeepers which was quite handy we had three you know weekly music papers we also had john peel yeah and and i yes. know you know john peel yeah. was my you know person i went to just to find out yeah. about anything yeah. Yeah. i mean adrian yeah. sherwood you know and the on you sound system and Tackhead. Oh, yeah yeah
1: all yeah. those guys, yeah. and there was also yeah. about
0: there was woman was it Annie, anxiety, and Annie, Honey Bane?
1: Yeah, well, she was part of the Crass scene. lived lived with Crass in Epping, uh, and then when when I when I mentioned about living with six people, she she was one of those people. Uh, it how we got to know them is because they started using Southern Studios, uh, so we would hang out uh, in the studio, and Annie Annie got friendly with them. Uh, and then when it came to uh, Uncarved Block, even though it wasn't recorded at Southern studios, uh, Derek worked with Adrian Sherwood uh, to produce that album. And right. did you know the album Uncarved Block at all?
0: Only bits of it and, and not, yeah. you know. It, n-
1: it, was def- it was definitely Derek's project, 100% Derek's project. All of his lyrics. Uh, it was in Berry, Berry Street Studios in central London and he he worked there as an engineer and said to us that if we went in after 12 o'clock at night, that there would never be a charge. So we went and recorded that album and it took about 30 nights uh, to record it, uh, only to find that that wasn't true at all and that they had, they billed him, the people that own the studio did send him a bill for for recording that album. But I don't know whether he knew that or not, but. He told us it was for free, so we allowed this project to, to go on and on and on and on, not thinking that it was going to cost any money, but uh, in the end, it, it did have to be paid. Yes. Uh, but uh, for me, the On You Sound and Adrian Show, because you mentioned Tackhead, that's how I left Flux uh, and, and, and started a new band, uh, didn't really get anywhere, called Hot Alay Show. And we uh, uh, we recorded an album at Southern Studios with uh, Keith LeBlanc on drums. He produced it. He was the drummer of Tackhead, as you know. Uh, so that was the direction I was going as we got nearer and nearer the 90s uh, and the Shaman and all those, that sound. And punk really had, had gone by then. It always existed, but in a way, I think it had gone then, hadn't it? Yes, so, well, I
0: think I think eighty-seven. There was a real shift. I mean, I always mark it because the Smiths break up, and then the next yeah. wave of sixteen, eighteen-year-olds appear, and they want their sound. And yeah. then ecstasy, yeah. ecstasy is a big thing yes. as well. So yeah. there's a kind of a new soundtrack, yeah. and people start listening to people yeah. like the Orb and Eight Oh Eight State and a guy called Gerald. Yeah. And there yeah. was That's the Chicago House Sound. So there was more of a dance.
1: Jacking. Yeah. That's that's what I would have been listening to, and I and I think that the in the, the middle bit in between uh, is I'm trying to think of, of the band uh, that the, the a group of people called Mutoid Waste System. And oh remember yes, them, you,
0: the Mutoids. They used to
1: organize, they, Mutoid Waste. They used to organise uh, gigs in just empty squatted venues, uh, and that for me was a reason to leave Flux because I could see that that's what i that's what I got involved with in in the mid late eighties because I could see there was uh, there was something beyond what what would I have done with that group of people yes uh, i'm I'm desperately trying to think of the the band that that used to play at their gigs uh well, world a... domination enterprises
0: oh world domination
1: world domination enterprises.
0: Right. Okay. I've got your def- enterprise.
1: Def- definitely. When you think of Rima Rima, and then Well Domination Enterprises are a one-off band like Rima Rima. Nobody ever copied them. Nobody ever sounded like them before and after. And the setup of the the bass player, who uh, was <clears throat> friends with years after, is no longer with us, sadly. Uh, and the better the, drummer, guitarist, and bassist. And if you ever listen to their first album you will probably uh, you i hope you agree that there really isn't anybody that uh, that sounded like them
0: yes i'll have i'll have a uh, I'll check that out did you come across yeah. somebody another singer called honey bane as well during that early 80s yeah period?
1: yeah that that's just a strange setup. that that takes you back to when i mentioned rubella ballet uh, our drama Sid was in rubella ballet and they were part of the fatal microbes right uh, and they they were the son in, uh, in that band the the, the son and daughter of of vice and versa of Poison girls,
0: yes, who yes. used
1: to also play with Crass and they lived in Epping as well. At one point, I left the Epileptics and became the third bass player. They didn't need a, a they already had two bass players, and I, I I thought that that was a more exciting to to join a band as a third bass player than be the singer because it uh, was a, 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 a great little scene going on and honey bane w- was part of that and she released her first single on crass but of course became mega famous after that didn't she she was on charts. top of the
0: pulps yes
1: yeah yeah but she was sort of an anarcho punk like the rest of us at at that time uh and i think in a way we we all had record deals offered to us uh, i know crass had emi uh, they had it offered, and after Strive, we had uh, Virgin offered us a uh, hundred thousand to sign a, a four-album deal uh, with them, and and just you know didn't even talk to them about it. Just let it go. Not interested. Uh, I think after that, we always had our own record label, uh, and i got a feeling that Four AD were interested at one point, which would have would have been quite good. But yes, we'd already set up our label. It wasn't really much point in uh
0: in doing that, but amazing, yeah, yeah. no that's a, you 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 packed a lot in in ten years there I mean what happens because yeah. you do that you do your your first album um yeah surveillance in nineteen ninety and then what what do you do then for the rest of the decade is that the end of your kind of musical world at the, this yeah. stage
1: it's uh from okay i I left flux uh, i set I set up a sort of a uh, what started out as a Beastie Boys rap band thing called Potalacio. Uh That then became more like Tackhead and went on till about 91. Uh, a friend, uh, I did a couple of gigs as Flux again, but it was really with the drummer, uh, an old guitarist. And we, we mixed a bit of all the different sounds of Flux, lasted for about a year. And the last thing I ever recorded uh, was a twelve-inch uh, and that we were called Influx, and it was uh, it's, the, the track is called Diva D E E P A. Came out as a twelve-inch on some record label, I'm not sure, of, uh, but it was basically that uh, rave that, that that rave scene from the early '90s. But by that time, I'm, I'm I was in my early thirties. Yes, and I decided that it was a young man's game, or a young person's game, to 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 do music, and I called it a day, and 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 started making furniture, which is what what I still do now. Uh, the only time that went back to doing music again was in not in two thousand and six, because uh, Steve Ignorant of Crass was organizing a gig uh, at shepherd's at Shepherd's Bush Empire two nights, and he wanted to know if we would play. and so we 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 decided to do it, and that was the original lineup, but not Derek. Uh, and we we kicked ass I think you know it, it, it didn't sound good in the first rehearsal. Uh, you imagine that you can sound a certain way, but it slowly got better and better in rehearsal. Uh and I think the gig went down pretty well. Uh and the following year we played a gig in France, a gig up in Bradford, a little club, uh, and then one in Islington, uh, the, the academy there. I'm not sure if it's still going, and and then that was it. Yeah, I really drew drew a line under it and uh I, I, I can't see it ever happening again. Shall we say?
0: No, uh, no, probably not. I mean, with with all that kind of wonderful world of of record labels. I mean, who owns the kind yeah. of the publishing rights and the kind of ownership yeah. of the recordings? Who who sort of yeah. sits with that kind of material now?
1: Yeah, that's that's something. Obviously, when you when you when you're sixteen and seventeen, you have no idea about publish, publishing rights and royalties. Yes. Uh, that first record label that got us to sign a contract also got us to sign a publishing contract but like like so many people in history you have no idea what the hell they're going on about uh you you know mechanical royalties and and all this sort of stuff uh they we never actually got any money from that uh but since then uh we we uh, underground music have published all of all of our songs really kev kev and i have put that together uh because we were wrote most of those songs any that were our songs specifically uh we we did publish uh through uh overground and yeah i it money comes in every now and again so i can imagine that if you write a couple of hits it's it's the most incredible thing not because we didn't write a couple of hits but if you had have it's amazing you could live off that for the rest of your life
0: Nice, because <laughs> I th- I think I think Chumbawamba did really well yeah. talking to various yeah. well dunts because he brought a film out last year about what happens when it's yeah. when you're no longer an angry young man on stage and um yeah. and I think when they signed their deal which was yeah. on EMI which had the big EMI. single I think they yeah. realised I knew I think they realised what they were signing so they made sure it was a good deal yeah. Yeah. just in case and it was the moment yeah. it was
1: I, I, I don't know, if it's I've got a feeling, were that they signed the, the all, all the writers royalties to go to a Spanish anarchist group or something. But whether that is forever, I don't know. Whether that's true, I'm not sure. But
0: yes, I don't know. I think they all live in quite comfortable surroundings now. I think they, I think they were, I think they, I think they were, think they were quite savvy when they signed that deal with EMI.
1: Yeah, they, by then exactly because they, they 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 weren't youngsters. They knew what they were doing uh But it, it's their their story is quite interesting because they start out as Chimp Eats Banana and they are on the compilation albums that crafted Bullshit Detector, where they would couldn't release an actual single by a band. And they were get, getting, you know, in the early 80s, endless tapes from people. So they would put them out on 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 this uh, on on, a, on an album called Bullshit Detector. Mm-hmm. They they then became, Chimpy's Banana became Chumbawamba, uh, started playing with us, and we played with Bjork and Kirk, who used to become uh, Sugar Cubes. Uh, they they didn't, I, I think they had their own record label. Yes. They, there was never talk, never talk that they were going to release anything on our record label or Crass's, but I know that years later, uh, I, is it after Tumping or whatever for their main single was called? The EMI one? Is yep. that before or so one little Indian? I'm not sure.
0: I think they get dropped. I think they're on one little Indian, they get dropped because they're thinking, yeah, this this band aren't, get, aren't and I they think they and I think they'd recorded the album and just yeah. took it to EMI. And I do and I think it was one of those yeah. good deals for EMI because it's like we you yeah. I think yeah. they didn't have to pay for any studio stuff because they'd already yeah. recorded it so i don't That's i did an interview with, with a guy called miles copeland who was with the police and he took yeah. the album the yeah. first yeah. police album to e to a and m records and yeah. said look we've recorded it so you don't have to worry yeah. about any expense all you need to do is put this out and yeah. and he made sure they had a good deal and you know the, yeah. the rest is history i mean he ends up yeah, you know, yeah. Very very wealthy, yeah, is, and I I think I think, yeah, that, I, think yeah. I think I think Chumbawamba's story was slightly similar. I think they they recorded yeah. the album possibly with money from one little Indian, not sure, but they take it to EMI, who they just go, yeah. oh yeah, this sounds okay.
1: The the, the funny thing is that the, uh, of all the bands, uh, Chumbawamba were the most anarchist, and they they all lived in a big squat in Leeds. Uh, that so. That, that it's so strange that they ended up signing. It's actually quite good in a way that they signed to EMI, who were the last people in the world. Because we all believed it's true that in that that they uh, invested money in weapons, and Fawn emi uh, used to build 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 nuclear bunkers. And uh, so it's funny that Chumbawamba, out of all the people they could have gone with, went to EMI, uh, and in a way. I, I I guess I, I had a little funny feeling about Derek at one point because he turned Virgin away and said that we didn't we weren't interested in signing to a major label. And I know that one little Indian did get a dis, uh, word distributed by major my major labels. Right. So I'm not that bothered about it, but it's it it's just all the timing, isn't it? It's, it's like chumbawamba. That not the thing to do then. Later on they thought, sod it, let's just let's just do it.
0: Well, also, did you, were you on the album, you know, like, I don't know, there was a We Hate EMI album compilation, wasn't there? There was a load of bands, which I think Jumbawamba were on as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was from the, the because you had all those people like Blythe Power, you had the Poison Girls, you also had the Astronauts, didn't you? Thatcher, um, Thatcher Thatcher on Acid all those yep. bands the 7 year bitch or something um they're american rock band yeah. but yes there was uh, you know and then obviously in america you had the dead kennedys and such like so there was a very yeah. angry time i mean when you look back yeah. i mean i mean if you could have said something to your 16 year old self starting <laughs> is there any little words of wisdom or advice that you would have directed that person to even if they ignored you
1: i I know it's going to sound really boring, but i I almost wouldn't say anything i I, I wouldn't want to have changed anything, and to to go back in time and interfere, tweak something or tell myself something would have meant maybe the story didn't happen the way that it had yes. uh, that it has. and uh, I, I'm quite okay with, with how it all played out. Uh, I, it, it's good to look back and think as a sixteen year old Derek and I set up a record label Uh, and i know it's possible to do things now especially with the internet it can do anything Uh, but it was quite good business sense for us to do that i think in a way it's uh if if i'd gone back and said in 1979 don't sign that record deal with stalkbeat because Crass are going to be calling you up later in the afternoon then we would have had a single out on on Crash records in 1979, but not 81. I I don't know if I'd want to, if I'd want to know any difference. So no, I'm not sure,
0: the wibbly uh, wobbly time, isn't it? You don't want to mess with it, do you? Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes yeah. sometimes people uh, with that they often say, "I wish I'd enjoyed it more," or "I wish I hadn't drunk so much," or "I I just wish that." <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I think it's those little things. Or I wished I'd practice more and got better at my yeah, instrument. Yeah. I think there was. Most people don't say anything drastic. It's just a little little nudge yeah. here and a little nudge yeah. there probably.
1: Well, the, the only thing I think is funny is that most of my life I, I lived in, in North London, uh, where, uh, as you probably know, uh, in North London, a, a three or four bedroom house is 1.2 million upwards. Uh When we were all living in that house for £50 pounds a week, uh we'd been offered hundred thousand pounds from Virgin to sign, and you could have bought two houses in Crouch End. the The landlord was trying to sell the house to us for, for for fifty or sixty grand, so you could almost have bought two houses. And do I go back and tell myself to convince Derek? Let's sign this deal and buy some property. I I don't know. No, I don't. I I don't think so because I don't think Crass would ever have spoken to us again. Uh, We'd have signed to Virgin. We, who knows what our records would have sounded like after Strive, it it couldn't have been better. I don't think it would have been any better for us.
0: Yes, Uh, if you were going to tell somebody, (laughs) I'm sure you wouldn't. But you said, look, if you're going to listen to one of our songs or one of our albums, which one would you direct them to?
1: I, but I, I would say uh, go to strive to survive and listen to is there anybody there it's quite a heavy sounding song with with that builds up and up and up and it to me it's got a little bit of that rima rima in there uh, written around about that time and i think that that would be my my all-time favorite song and for someone to listen to yes yeah
0: Yes, but it's very interesting. Well, this has been. I, uh, sorry, after you.
1: Yeah, I, I, no, I was just about to say. But well, what they're probably listening to is Tube Disaster, uh, because there are so many uh, uh, skate skate uh, videos that that use that as part of the soundtrack to to skateboarding. So <laughs> it's funny how uh, if, you, if you if you go on Instagram and and you you see all the people that that like flux of pink indians and they're 15 years of age now you know it can't beat that it must have done something like
0: right. yes well absolutely and i guess i was just going to sort of quickly have a look because it's always vaguely interesting yeah. it, flux if it comes up flux of pink Indians. i just wonder wonder how many people a month listen to you on spotify that place oh yes 13 and a half thousand monthly listeners there you go
1: Right. Hey, I I reckon the the most interesting thing was. Did you ever hear, ever hear uh, that Professor uh, Professor Green uh, about about ten years oh, ago yeah. sampled, sampled tube disaster the drums and the guitar and uh, uh, and the guitar for one of, and the bassline for one of his songs Hard Night Out, and it's a it's a great version. It's a great song. A little bit of tube disaster in there, and uh, I'd love to know. When he was in the studio, who presented him with the music or how he would have heard it?
0: Yes, is that that, it? that is a fascinating point, actually. Because yeah. I, I was going to say, because I, I did an interview with somebody from one of those Manchester bands, like, um, yeah. oh, God, a obscure dance band who had a B-side of a single, and that got sort yeah. of sampled by someone like one of those American rap artists who was huge. I mean, yeah. it wasn't JC, yeah. but it might have been one of somebody really, in that ilk. And it, really. and and, yeah. and all yeah. this guy can think of is how did he get to hear that sample? You know, yeah. to just take yeah. that sample from an obscure B-side of a ma- band yeah. in Manchester from the early 80s. Yeah. I,
1: I'd, I'd I'd love to know, to be a fly on the wall in the studio, is it, is it some old engineer that's there that's a bit older than Professor Green? Uh, and he goes, how about this? And they put it in a loop. Before you know it, they make a song around it. Uh, yes. uh it, it, it 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 cheered it cheered me up ten years ago. That was quite quite interesting that uh that something you've done that long ago is is still out there really it never de- it never
0: ends does it so. no and also i mean hopefully you've kept all your archives because one thing you might have noticed and i mentioned about Rima Rima film coming out from a band yeah. who only released yeah. one ep yeah. um but everyone's writing their book at the moment and has been documenting wow. their life you know so yeah. you know yeah. so hopefully yeah. you know one day you might sort of put pen to paper and sort of document yeah. your your little no, story it, it,
1: it's, it's it's something that that Kevin and I Kevin and I should do. Uh, Ian, Ian Glasper, who played bass for us at the Shepherds Bush Empire gig I mentioned, he he uh, contacted me last year because he was writing a book about subhumans, and there was a little bit of me that thought, why is he not writing a book about Flux of Being guineans? And I and I, and I had to tell myself, well maybe, maybe that's next. But uh, there you go. Maybe yeah. you see, it's, maybe there's more to write about there. But.
0: Well, there might be, but but I mean, you know, you wouldn't think there was a film about Rima Rima, would you? Really, but there is.
1: No, no you so, um, you'd think it was too short a time. I don't know. Yeah. I I I I would like mem- memoirs are quite interesting, which is how much with with the history I've had, how much I actually really put down the paper. You know, do I want everybody to to know all of what happened? So I don't know.
0: Yes, we do. We want to know Monday, all David. the de- we want to know all the details, and we want to see a pages. Yeah. We want pages of flyers and photographs and artwork from that period because because it's yeah. kind of it's hist- It's a historic document, and if you don't do it, all we think yeah. about the '80s is is yeah. it was the Blitz Kids, it was New Romantic, it was Spandau Ballet, it was yeah. Live Aid. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't exactly, really, was it?
1: Exactly.
0: There's another yeah. story. It, that,
1: uh, it, it, I, I'd say nearly every six months you get a whole new music genre coming along, don't you? Uh, and we're all kind of connected
0: we're all connected yes absolutely it's a fascinating story indeed and that was me in conversation with Colin Latta one time singer of the Flux of Pink Indians Um, this has been the C86 show I'm David Eastor if you want to contact me you can on Facebook Twitter Instagram just do C86 show these interviews have all been archived aren't you lucky you can find those on Spotify iTunes Podbeam it's true anyway Have a great week. Stay safe.